This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. Hey guys, how's it going? Good morning. All right. Hey, can you hear us all right? All everywhere? Is that good? Okay. Hey, welcome to the parenting thing. We thought we'd learn about parenting, so we showed up and they uh, put us up here instead, so... Oops, we're still learning though. We are still learning. Hey, I'm Adam. This is my wife, Christina. Good morning. And uh, talking about the law and false gods today. Um, we have, we've been married for 15 years, and we have four kids, ages, I hope I get this right, 15, 13, 11, and 7. I did know nice that. Nice work. Thank nice you. Nice work, yep. yes. So anything you want to say? Before? So, yeah, by no means are we experts, but we've had 15 years of mistakes that we've made <laughs> and hopefully learned a little bit from. So, um, you know, this has been a great couple of chapters to read. So hopefully you guys have read your chapters on the law and false gods and just drawn out of yourselves and your kids, like, what is the heart behind our behaviors and, and what we're doing really shows kind of what we're worshiping or who we're worshiping. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to dive into this with you. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start off with table discussion. So go around your table and share your name, the ages of your kids, and going back from last week, and the question was, how did you remind yourself of God's grace toward you this week? All right, so introduce yourselves around your table just to get to know your people there. All right, hope you had some good discussion at your tables. So we're going to start off by talking about uh, categories of law, and we're finding three that uh, that we had talked about. Yeah, so this is just sort of like from the discussion guide, it asked you to kind of talk about your household. Like how do you make rules yep. or what are some rules that you have in your household? And so when we talked about our household rules, mm-hmm. we really saw three categories. And this is really helpful to us just as we explain things to our kids. Like whose rule is this? This was helpful to me this week too to talk about this. It's like, okay, where are we putting these things? So the first category that we looked at was God's law. Now, this carries some weight, right? It also takes a lot of weight off of you because it's not your rules, your laws. I mean, ultimately, it's God's. So if it's God's law, it's going to be one of our household laws too. It really is. You're looking at things like, Hey, no complaining or arguing. Uh, honor your father and mother. Do not lie. Things like that. Those are God's laws, and therefore, they work their way into our family as well in our house. Um, and also, like they, they carry authority. Um, it's not just you know we we want to teach them God's law. So teach it to them so that when they're older, I mean, they're still carrying these things out. It's not just, well, that's just how I was raised. I was raised not to, not to lie and not to fight my brother. No, no, no. The, the, these, are, these are God's laws. So teaching them where that authority comes from, too. And also that we have to carry out God's laws, too. We've been asked to obey them, too. Um, for example, well, like, no complaining or arguing. We have to remind ourselves of that too. Uh, honoring our father and mother, we have to do that too. Not lie, not murder, things like that. Um, 
but also to help our kids understand the, just how important this is, God's law for us as your parents is to teach this stuff to you. We've been called to raise you up in the Lord. We've been called to teach you his word. We're going through that, we were going through that with the book of Judges, right? Teaching this and passing this on to the next generation. This is our job given to us by God. So this is one of our household rules. We, we have to do this. So it's not just us giving you rules. We have to. God gave us this responsibility. So first category is God's law. Second category, state law. Also carries some, yeah, Matt. <laughs> this is important, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Um, this also carries some weight and some authority, and it's not us just making things up. No, really, you have to buckle your seatbelt. It's the law. Um, you have to do your math. It's the law. There's no getting past these. You have to do these things. It's not just us making this up. And the third category is uh, where it really comes, hits home. Yeah, so the third category is just the, the household law. So these are the, the things that you kind of just make up. So the only authority is really like mom and dad say these things, and I'm the one who made this rule, or you're the one who made this rule. Mm -hmm. And these rules are kind of the things that just really, like the reason why we're making them is because we want our families to function well. So, you know, no stomping around while dad is taking a nap. Why? Because he has to wake up early. You know, like we want optimal function in our mm -hmm. family for everybody. So, you know, simple things like when your laundry basket's empty, bring it back downstairs again. You know, just like let's keep things rolling. But what we found and what we've been talking about this week and preparing for this is when we had really young kids, like these were really tight rules. Like, if you think about brushing your teeth, I mean, when you have little, little kids, not only are you saying brush your teeth, but you're actually brushing them for them. You know, you're actually doing it. And then you're watching them and making sure. And then you're just inspecting afterward. And then pretty soon it's just a reminder. And then eventually, hopefully, it's developed just into a rhythm of their life, right? So you're going from strict rules to just general rhythms of life. And I think that's really our hope in parenting is that we can transition them to adulthood, right? So I'm not calling you on the phone when you're 24, like, hey, did you brush your teeth, right? Like you've developed this rhythm, but it started really strict, right? Like I was actually scrubbing your teeth for you. Um, but kind of keeping in that line, like there's a, a term just sort of like you're working yourself out of a job, okay? My job as a mom was a lot harder and I was a lot more hands-on maybe when I was doing the work for you or teaching you how to do it. And then I'm loosening, 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 loosening my reins, hopefully, as you're getting ready to enter adulthood. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's... So like God's law, non-negotiable, and it's good. State law, non-negotiable, and it's good. And as we look at their household laws, I mean, that's a great thing for us is, okay, is this actually good as a non-negotiable? And then would you write this? I love what she said. Would you just write down uh, rules into rhythms? Because I think that was really good. So nice, nice job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 
All right. And then uh, looking at Romans 7, and we're going to read uh, verses 7 through 12. What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. If it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, Sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. So I'm going to open this up to you guys. Why is the law good? It shows, shows us our sin. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Ultimately, it shows us that we need our Savior. Uh, shows our kids, too. And as, our, as parents, that's our job is to take their sin and show them you need a Savior. Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty much it. Um, also, you know, as Christians, we're called to be sanctified and set apart and holy and God's laws the instruction to us how to do that. So it's good. It shows us our sin, shows us we need a savior, and it's good. I like to think of it like if you think of a ruler or a straight edge, like God's mm-hmm. law is that straight edge for us. So we hold it up and I can see, oh, what's crooked in my life because I know what the Bible says is true or or how my life should be going. Yeah. That's good. All right, we're going to keep going in Romans 7. This is uh, verses 13 through 18. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So, I can open this up to you guys. Why is the law good but insufficient? What is it? Sin is internal. Good. Anybody else want to add to that? Doesn't provide a solution. So we're made aware of our sin through it. And man, I can't. I can't avoid it. Your kids can't avoid it. 
So, um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess going back to that straight edge, I mean, if you hold up the straight edge and you see, oh, that's crooked, just holding it up isn't going to be the fix for it, right? Right. So it's a good thing to show you that it's crooked, but that doesn't solve the problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, so now we're going to get into some of the gray areas. Um, what is the basis for our rules? And so when we talk about rules or law, I'm kind of using those interchangeably, but the standards, I guess, that we hold up in our parenting and our expectations. Um, if God's instruction is our highest standard, and it should be, and that should be, like like we said, the non-negotiable for our family, um, it's kind of helpful. Do you want to talk a little bit about discerning because there are a lot of laws in the Bible. Mm, mm -hmm. So like the three different types yeah. sort of a thing. So what, what we looked at when we looked at God's laws is that we found three types of God's laws. So the first one being God's holy law, uh, kind of encapsulated in the Ten Commandments, right? Um, boiled down to what? If you were to boil down the Ten Commandments, it would be what? Jesus did this. Yeah, he split them into two. He said... Love God. Yeah. Love people with everything you've got. That's God's holy law. So when will these things, this category of God's law, when will that pass away? So loving God and loving people. Yeah. Yep. The Ten Commandments. You know, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. When are these going to pass away? They don't. They never will. They will never pass away. So second category of God's law, ceremonial laws. You're looking at rituals and procedures, you know, anything dealing with clean versus unclean. Um, for example, like how many cows, lambs, rams, and goats am I going to need? What kind of Cows, lambs, rams, and goats, am I going to need? What do we do with these things? How do we handle it? And then at the end, you got to carry their guts and their dung outside the camp and burn it, right? When will these types of laws pass away? When Jesus died. They're already dead. We don't have to carry that out. Jesus came for the unclean, Right, And he made us clean forever, and you no longer have to carry your crap outside the camp. Right? This is great. <laughs> Are we still and recording this? we don't have to institute these into our parenting, right? Right! This is just something that we don't have to deal with. Right. So, category two, ceremonial and ritual, like, those are done. The third category of God's laws that we find are national laws, uh, laws for Israel to benefit the people, help them to live together well as a society and as a community. Things like you need to have parapets on your roof so that people don't fall off when they're visiting. That's actually one of God's laws as his, like this is what you need to do as a, as a nation of Israel. You have to have parapets on your roof, Right? Raise your hand if you don't have parapets on your roof. Uh-oh. Now, here's the thing. So 
all these laws to help them function because they're, they're a brand new nation, a brand new country, right? They have to have these laws. When did these laws, when will these laws pass away? I would argue maybe Babylon, right? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe when Jesus returns. Um, so these laws also, like, has an expiration date, okay? Now, similar to state laws or household laws, but rules and laws to help the people uh, live well together, right? So the first category, God's holy laws, never, ever, 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 ever will pass away. So those are the ones that we incorporate into our family and into our households. We don't have parapets either. Right. Yeah, so it's really just, you know, as you're reading the Bible, having that level of discernment, what category of laws are these? You know, are these national laws? Are they ceremonial laws? Mm -hmm. Are they God's holy law, which is relating to loving God and loving people? So um, just keeping that in mind as a, a level of discernment. The second gray area that we wanted to talk about is logic versus idols. And this is something when you're creating these household rules or household laws, I could make a rule and I could very easily argue it from a logical standpoint, like you need to do this because X, Y, Z. But the reality is I'm making that rule because I have an idol in my heart. Now, I can argue it logically, so it sounds good, but that's not really what's happening. So I'll give you an example of how this has kind of played out in our life even recently. So Sunday morning, it's time to go to church. What are you going to wear? This is an issue for me, okay? <laughs> I would hope that there's a level of discernment in your clothing choices, okay? Are we going to church or are we going to a bonfire? This is a question. So, for example, we have in our possession this oversized sweatshirt that I bought for myself when I was a teenager at a thrift store, 50% off, okay? And we have it because there's things like bonfires in life, right? And it's cold and you need the sweatshirt. And so we have it. But somehow it always comes out on Sunday morning. Why? Why are you wearing this to church, right? Now, I can logically argue that there should be a level of, you know, expectation. And I don't have, like, a really high, like, we're not suits and ties and, you know, dresses every Sunday sort of people. But the bonfire sweatshirt, that's an issue for me, okay? And so I can argue logically that, you know, you need to show respect for yourself, the people around you, you know, like clean yourself, put on deodorant, those sorts of things. Or I could even argue from the basis of like, this is a celebration, like we're coming to celebrate in God's house. So you need to look, you know, dress like you're celebrating, right? But even though I can argue it logically, really, I'm concerned about what are people going to think about me based on how my child is dressing, right? And I think that we figure this out, is it logic or is it an idol? We figure it out when, when they disobey, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have this response. 
am I responding to you like in an angry way because you are violating this idol that I've set up? Or am I responding to you in a way that's that I'm able to teach you just gently and out of love? And so probably the biggest litmus test is how how do we respond? And I know for me, you know, this one I know for sure is an idol in my heart because the same child who will show up every Sunday in this bonfire sweatshirt, also when she was two years old, she would show up to church every Sunday in a pink tutu, okay? It's just like that's what she wore every single day of her life. Now, when it was a pink tutu, it didn't bother me. Because she'd come to church in her tutu, and what's everyone's response? Oh, she's so cute. Oh, you know, she comes to church in a bonfire sweatshirt, and no one's like, oh, she's so cute. You know, like, so this is my, um, you know, I know that that's something that in my heart I need to take care of. But also, really, not only do I need to address that idol, but I should be rejoicing in that this issue in her heart she's not trying to offend God or offend her parents. Like, for her, it's just a matter of comfort. Like, I'm cold. This sweatshirt makes me warm, right? And it's not even, you know, it's something immodest to wear. I mean, it's, I should just be rejoicing that this is my issue in life, right? Like, we're fighting over an oversized sweatshirt. (laughs) That's okay. Um, But anyway, so that's just kind of an example. When you're making rules, check your heart. And usually you check that through your responses. All right, we're going to go to Ephesians 5 now. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 20. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So at your table, uh, go around and the question is, do you regularly find ways to remind yourself and your children about our need for God's grace? And if so, what are some ways that you use ordinary things to do this? So we'll give you a few minutes at your table to discuss that, and then we'll share some ideas up here. All right, guys. All right, so care to share. What are some of the ordinary things that you do to remind yourself and your children about your need for God's grace? those. Like, yeah. If you're annoyed with me, I'd rather have like a comfort 
good. That's good. Anybody else care to share? That's a great way I found, I mean, so often it seems like we're pointing to the glory of God just by confessing our own sins to our kids and asking forgiveness of them because that shows our kids that we have a forgiving God and he's, you know, willing to listen to us over and over and over again. Um, So that's a great way to teach your kids. Yeah. Let's go one or two more. Anybody else? This is good stuff, by the way. All right, I'll jump in. This is, this is a fun one for us. So we were looking at God's laws earlier, and you know, God did tell his people to celebrate, to have festivals and feasts and times of remembrance. This was good because every year when this date comes around, you're reminded about what God did in the past. You're looking to the past and seeing how good God was, how faithful, and how he rescued us, how he delivered us, all these things. So ways to remember God's goodness in the past. We actually have a holiday in our family. October 1st is actually a uh, Hannon family holiday. Yep, we do a lot of made-up family traditions. Um, So every year we celebrate the anniversary of the day we moved to Iowa. Mm -hmm. So just October 1st this last year was our third... Iowan anniversary. It was. It was. So I remember our first so our first day in Iowa. We were scared. We were moving to a new state, a new city, you know, new job, new new church, new people. This is this is intimidating, right? Um, so that first day, I mean we didn't even have our kitchen table yet. We didn't own a kitchen table at that point. No, we sold it before we moved. Whew. So uh, so we went out to eat. It's like, hey, this uh, hibachi sushi buffet looks good. <laughs> Let's go. So we did, and it was awesome. So as a family, before we went and uh, just devoured everything on the buffet, um, we have teenagers, um, we're like, let's go around the table and talk about, like, one thing you're excited about and one thing you're nervous about, about this new state that we live in, this new city. And that was really good. And then we prayed together as a family, and then we ate all the food at the buffet teenagers um so we just kind of it just kind of developed in this routine it's like hey october 1st is coming up let's go back to the hibachi sushi buffet and uh so we do and as we're eating or before we eat or whatever between trips back up we actually go around and we talk about how god has helped us transition into this new phase of life this new state because it is a pretty big stage of new stage of life moving um 
So we talked about how good God was, how faithful he was, what he's taught us into this new, as he brought us into this new stage. And this was, and we're going to talk about this later too. There was an attitude problem with one of our kids moving away from friends, away from the familiar. Um, So how we dealt with that, we're going to talk about that later this morning. But this routine, this holiday and tradition is really helpful in looking at God's glory, and also remembering how desperate we need him, and we need his grace. So that's been a fun one for us. Another one's just been storytelling. Um, It could be, you know, looking at other people's stories. Oh, man, Teddy Roosevelt, when he let his zeal and his passion get ahead of him and what he had to do to (laughs) fix the situation, just telling stories with the kids helps them to see God's, uh, God's hand and uh, our need for grace through other people's stories. And even in, in our own stories, uh, personal things, um, like the time we broke into somebody's home. Complete accident. Another story for another time. <laughs> Whoops. It was an honest mistake. It was an honest mistake, but still, we needed God's grace. Yep, yep. We'll save that for another time. Um, but also, also, also telling stories like, man, I remember when we were newly married. Okay, so... We're young, we have two babies, and we are so poor. I don't know how we're going to afford it. We can't afford groceries. It's not in, Dave Ramsey doesn't think it's in our budget. (laughs) You know, through God's grace, we never missed a meal. We had to trust him. We had to learn how to trust him. And food just showed up. There was this farmer who went to all these grocery stores and got all these, like, um, expired bread products. He filled a school bus, and before he took it to feed the pigs, he'd go around to poor, you know, poor people he knew. So we had all sorts of bread products. I had a friend who worked for Little Debbie, and we had... We had a lot of Little... A lot of Little Debbie, (laughs) you know? But we also had, um, you know, around Thanksgiving time, the grocery store in town had a punch card, and so if you filled your punch card, you got a free turkey. But also a lot of... Um, businesses would give their employees turkeys around Thanksgiving. And so that particular year, we got like four Thanksgiving turkeys. Like people just kept showing up with these turkeys and we just felt so blessed. Mm -hmm. So actually when we were asking our kids, um, you know, like what are some ways that you, that we tell you about God's grace just in everyday ways? And they were like, oh, when you tell the story about the the turkey that shows up each year... (laughs) But it was funny because, um, you know, we were too poor for blinds on our house. Oh, so no. we never tell our kids this part of the story. We were totally <laughs> making out on the couch. And this neighbor guy, like, shows up with a turkey, like, knocks on the door, like, oh, this is so awkward. <laughs> so awkward. They don't know that part of the story. They'd never heard this. And now it's recorded going on the podcast. <laughs> PG-13. Thanks for the turkey, neighbor Bob. Sorry. We never saw him again after that. No, we never did. <laughs> <laughs> so telling these stories with our kids helps them to see how, again, like the need for God's grace and the faithfulness of God through that too. Um, another thing that we do is um, another one of those habits and routines that we have as a family is after every meal, we read a chapter of the Bible and then work on our memory verse for the week. Um, it's just been one of those kind of routine things that we just kind of fell into early on. 
and we keep doing this. So this actually, you know, as we were putting together this talk, we, we actually asked our oldest, hey, what are some ways that we, through ordinary means, uh, point you towards God's grace and our need for grace? He brought this up. He said that. That's huge. He's 15 now. We started when he was one. He's 15. This is important to him. A chapter of the Bible after every meal and a memory verse. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite parts about the memory verse that we do is we run through um, just like a list of verses and we rotate through them every five years. And so, I mean, our son is 15. So we've been through these verses several times with him. And I can still, whenever I hear these verses, I hear it in my head in his little two-year-old voice. And it is mm-hmm. so precious mm-hmm. to me, you know, now when he's this giant man and I hear these verses in his little boy voice. And so just like as a mom, it's like, oh, yeah, do that. Do that for yourself. Just that's a treasure, but do it for your kids because it is a means of God's grace. So we developed this into a habit. Honestly, there are times we don't feel like doing this because maybe we're in a rush or maybe there's some, some kind of funk between us or something and I'm mad and I'm grumpy and I don't want to read a chapter of the Bible after this meal. It's awkward. <laughs> this is true. I mean, it this is, is true. daily life. There are times when you don't want to do it. Our kids know that after this meal, we're going to read a chapter in the Bible. I have to do this. So because it's a routine and it forces me to do this, I have to pick up my Bible and read the next chapter that we're going through. How humbling is that as a way to transform my heart and shift it back to God and also open myself up to, he's teaching me something right now. I didn't want to do this, but I'm still going to do it. And he's teaching me something right now. It might be through the text, or it might be just the fact that I have to fix this when this meal is over. I have to fix this. Mm-hmm. So that routine, again, is super helpful. Yep. Another way that we found is uh, through fictional allegory. You guys read to your kids? You know, we, we, we read, like, biographies and stuff, but the fictional stories can be so good. If you find a good book, some of our favorites, like the... Um, the Wingfeather Saga, written by Andrew Peterson. Uh, the Wilder King Trilogy. I mean, these are stories that are very entertaining. But also, if you pay attention, you're seeing, oh my goodness. Well, they're illustrating the gospel. I mean, there's kids' books. I broke down and wept after. I'm trying not to cry in front of my kids. No, they're really good. They're really good books. So I encourage you to read to your kids. Find time. Find a routine. Maybe it's before bed or whatever. Uh, But read to your kids. Find those really good books. Um, But yeah, that fictional stuff has really helped us to, uh, to point them to God's grace too. So you are parenting a worshiper. Question for you. What rules your child's heart? No, that's not a question. Let me read ahead. What rules your child's heart will control his behavior? So we're going to go to Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. And then we'll have table discussion after this. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, 
bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I'll say it again. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, so at your table, why don't you talk about some ongoing struggles you're having with your children as it relates to their behavior and or their attitude. Uh, and what do you think is the underlying problem of the heart that is behind the struggles that you're experiencing with the, your children? So go ahead and talk about that at your tables. All right, guys. Anybody care to share something that came out of your table discussion? Maybe hear from one of you. If you figure that out, would you let me know? No, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Good. Okay, so talked a little bit about um, when we moved to Iowa, and perfectly understandable that one of our kids would struggle with that. I mean, I think all of them did to a, to a certain extent, um, leaving behind the familiar and, and the friends and moving to something else. But one of our kids continued to struggle. Um, maybe she didn't struggle. She just gave into it. Just uh, being upset, having a bad attitude, refusing to have a good attitude, right? Um, I don't want to go to candy. I don't want to meet new friends. I don't want to have a new church or do this new, new stuff. I don't want to. Um, it's, at a certain point, you recognize that that's kind of rebellion, right? Um, that was hard. It's like, what do we do with this? Because she's choosing to have a bad attitude about this. So I remember um, that night that you had gone into her room and just kind of laid it out for her. It's like, when you continue to choose, like, we understand this is hard. We understand that. It's hard for all of us. But when you continue to choose to have a bad attitude, you're showing God and you're telling God that you don't trust his plan for your life. You're continuing to show distrust, and that's sin. Um, and really, that was the only thing that really broke through to her. Right. So even though there was all this horizontal tension, you know, her attitude was making me angry. It was causing trouble for everybody else in the family. It was, yep. When we figured out, like, this isn't a, strictly a horizontal issue, this is a vertical issue. You are saying to God, your plan is not good, 
your plan is not right and I don't want your plan. Mm -hmm. And so just showing that to her changed her heart, softened her heart to a place of repentance to say, I don't want to say that to God because I do trust that he is good. And so leading her in that to show her this is sin and that's really what you're doing um, really changed things around. And then she was softened to accept God's plan and move forward and, and enjoy life here. Yeah, and it wasn't just a, well, that's done, let's move on. No, there were times when it would come up again, but then just gentle reminders after that, hard meeting um do you trust god do you trust him or just god can be trusted god is faithful and, and just that kind of soft uh reminder uh helped her oh yeah oh yeah i do trust him so that was good so fixing that vertical thing there mm-hmm. all right so Let's open this up to everybody. What are some ways to address the spiritual problem? So, for example, things that you talked about at your table, the issues that you're dealing with, you know, the the toddlers who are constantly throwing the sippy cup, throwing the sippy cups, throwing the sippy cups, you know, like how, how do we address these as spiritual problems and not just react out of anger? Recognizing that they're all sinners and, and we're all sinners and yeah. anybody else? One more? Yeah, that's super good. That's super good. So with just five minutes left, uh, looking at some more more in the way of application, what needs to change now in light of the fact that only God can change your child's heart?
Yeah. And I think, too, to what you said earlier, Kelly, just modeling that repentance. I think modeling, they're going to learn so much more from what you actually do than anything that you ever say. Yep. Um, I have a, a friend who, in parenting her little kids, you know, kind of what we had talked about just a second ago when expecting them that they will be sinners um, and recognizing that. So when when they're disobeying, knowing that's going to happen and then stopping them, explaining, okay, that's not what we're going to do because of whatever, and then modeling with them, how would you do this? How can I be kind to my sister? How can I treat her in a loving way? Or um, you can't, you know, you can't touch mommy like that by hitting her or whatever it is. But if you want to touch mommy or daddy, you can touch me like this, you know, and, and showing me how do I, how do I get that physical affection? How do I appropriately, um, you know, display my love or or my anger, or my sadness, or whatever it is. So just kind of taking them by the hand, and after an offense, just like walking through, how would I handle it appropriately? Yep. All right, so we got to wrap things up, but I really want to thank you guys for coming and, uh, and hanging out and talking about this stuff. Um, so just kind of the takeaways. Pray, mm-hmm. <laughs> model, um, Model repentance and asking for forgiveness is huge. Developing routines and sticking with them even when you don't want to. Read stories. Use the voices. Use the voices. Give yourself permission to get silly and, uh, and, and just dive in and get excited about it too because that, that's what makes the stories interesting too. When you're telling stories, reading stories, whatever. Yeah. Um, Next week, we're going to dive into identity and mercy. So that'll be chapters 5 and 14. And if you could make sure you complete the workbook. And next week, there's going to be coffee in class. So um, make sure you come ready for some caffeine. (laughs) Thank you, everybody.